Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you and your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. I'm Pastor Charles, and uh, it, it's been my privilege to, to be a pastor here for a number of years, and, and now I'm in a really unique uh, role here uh, as a part of the support staff uh, to our lead pastor, Pastor Chad, and uh, what that has done for me, it has really launched me uh, to other fields outside of our church, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Uh, uh, just about uh, where where God has been just launching me and what I what I think it means uh, means to to uh, us as a church. There is a handout this morning uh, that uh, we uh, made available to you as you were coming, and we hope that you'll use it. Uh, it's it's good for all kinds of things, uh, you know. So if you can try to fill in the blanks that are there, that's good. If you want to put anything else down there, that's that's all right as well. So. I just sense these days that God is uh, giving me, uh, and it's not, I can't say it's official, but it's like God has given me this role of being an ambassador for our church. And uh, I, just, I just find myself in different places, uh, and uh, I, I find that I'm, I'm really representing uh, our pastor, I'm, I'm representing Bethel Church and, and what is, is going on. And, and I, I want to start off by saying right at the outset that God is up to something. I want you to know that God is up to something in our church. And if you haven't been noticing that, you've been sleeping underneath a rock or something. I tell you, man, we've been getting people saved around here. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And it's been so cool to see week after week people coming to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. So we are, that's right, give the Lord a hand. That is so exciting. That is not happening all over the place. I sense in Canada that God is doing something that I'm sure goes beyond our borders. But I, I really believe that that, that God is calling Christians together in the country called Canada. And, and I really want to define for you once again what a Christian is. And, uh, uh, and I don't think it's, it's, it's uh, complicated, but I do want to just remind you that a, a Christian is one, number first of all, he loves God or she loves God. And that number two, they accept Christ, this is key, that they accept Christ as the only begotten Son of God. And then, boy, that's a clencher right there. And then as, as, as also to follow up on what a Christian is, is that they love people. So they love God. They have accepted Jesus Christ as God's only begotten son, and, and they, they love people. And in our nation, God is doing something to bring Christians together from all different, different quadrants, different provinces, uh, different parts of, of, our, of our city. It's interesting. On a recent trip that uh, uh, Grace and I made to Florida, and it was... It was, four, it was three, three, three things happened on that trip. There was a, a wedding that we attended on Grace's side of the family. Uh, I hooked up with a high school buddy of mine, hadn't seen for 50 years. 
uh, and, and that, that was really neat what happened there. And then we had uh, Yank the Yankee Thanksgiving was going on at the time, and we were also able to uh, celebrate that on my side of the family with my, my sister, uh, uh, Pat. During that time, uh, I, I, I get into this observation mode uh, when, when I am traveling uh, different places, uh, and I just am trying to figure out, okay, God, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing in our nation? What are you doing in, in our world? During the trip, I read two books. And uh, these, these two books, I didn't realize it at the time, but they, they, were, they were similar. Uh, one was a book called The Last Trump. The Last Trump, and it was by uh, Michael Chory, a guy out of the Buffalo area, uh, uh, New York. And then the other book that I read was a book by Jonathan Kahn, and it was called Paradigm. Uh, and some of you probably have read some of Jonathan Kahn's books. Uh, Jonathan uh, uh, has written a book called The Harbinger as well, uh, and you may be uh, f familiar with that. What I noticed in both of these books is that they are talking about parallels. They're talking about things that happened uh, in, in, in the Bible, things that happened even in the Old Testament, and, and their conclusion is that there are parallels that are taking place in our world today. And they're coming up with some interesting conclusions. I really would encourage you to uh, read those books and, um, uh, and just uh, observe what they're saying. Uh, in both of them, they really don't come to a, an ultimate conclusion, but I conclude on their behalf that, that God, number one, is certainly is up to something. I want to share with you a quote that uh, comes from uh, uh, Jonathan Kahn's book, uh, and he says this, and he poses it as a question. <clears throat> he says, could events that took place nearly 3,000 years ago now be determining the course of our world and with it, the course of our lives? And so he talks about it in that book, and you need to read it, because he'll stir your heart, he'll stir your soul, he'll get, you, he'll get you excited, he'll get you concerned about what is going on in our world. And then the book uh, by uh, uh, Michael uh, Chory, uh, he plays on the word, actually, he's talking about the last trumpet, he's talking, you know, he's talking about the last trumpet that will sound, uh, and then, then Jesus will come, and so he's, he goes into detail uh, about um, uh, the things that are uh, happening just before Jesus returned. It's a good read if you're not sure about end time events and you're kind of got questions or whatever. I encourage you to do that. But he also, he plays on the word Trump. He plays on the word Trump. And, uh, and he, he talks about uh, uh, um, uh, Donald Trump, the president of the United States. Uh, and, and I like what he says, and it, it's all good. But in this compelling, uh, it, it, as he looks at this, and he says, um, the signs that are taking place in our world today, they seem to give evidence that the long-awaited appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in the sky is ready to happen at any moment. Could the stunning upset he poses in his book of Donald J. Trump's America's last presidential election be a sign that the Trump of God is ready to sound? It will happen in the twinkling of an eye. So I, I you know, listen, I'm not quite sure, 
But I want you to know there's something that's being stated. There's something that's being uh, proclaimed to the church. I believe that as, as we are getting in tune with what God is doing and in our church and in our world, that, that God wants to, once again, for the Americans, for those south of the border, he wants to give them a new meaning of what it means when they say, in God we trust. In God we trust. For a long time, it's just a slogan down there. But I want you to know that God is doing something in North America, and he's given a whole new meaning to in God we trust. On the north side of the border, I want you to know that also God is stirring something. And he is giving a whole new meaning to the phrase that you and I know so well. And we love to sing it. God, keep our land. God, keep our land. And there's a fresh meaning that, that God is, is giving to us. So there's a case in point from the Bible that, that supports how God uses parallels. And, and it wasn't uncommon for the New Testament writers to refer to the children of Israel's journey. And so if you look at Hebrews 3, verses 15 through 16, you will hear this reference. And so I'm just supporting how, how parallels from, from Old Testament to New Testament, parallels in the Old Testament to our day, they, there is something to be said. And so Hebrews 3 says this, as has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He says, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And what that is, that's a reference to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And they came out of Egypt and they rebelled. And so, so the New Testament often would, would point back to the journeys of the Israelites and say, listen, don't be like them. Because if you do, there's a parallel here, and we're going to pay the consequences. So in Hebrews, it says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, because that's what they did. So don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those that Moses led out of Egypt? I would like to suggest to you this morning that there's another parallel that I would like to bring to your attention this morning. And it's found over in 2 Kings, and we're going to look at chapters 21, 22, and, and 23 this morning, just very, very briefly. And I'd like to suggest that what we're going to find in these three chapters, I believe, is descriptive of what is going on in our nation. And, and what I observe that, that God is endeavoring to do. So in, in 2 Kings chapter 21, 23, we're going to talk about, just for a few moments, the, the star of our morning is, is a king by the name of Josiah. But before we get to King Josiah, I want to talk to you about his grandfather, whose name was Manasseh. And I also want to talk to you about, uh, uh, you about Manasseh's son. So in, in chapter 21 of 2 Kings... We, we have the, the, the story of, of King Manasseh. And uh, King Manasseh it was a unique king. He was 12 years old. 12 years old when he began to reign. I don't understand how that all worked, but he, he was a 12-year-old king when he became, uh, he was 12 years old when he became king. And the Bible says that he reigned for 55 years. He, re he reigned for 55 years, and unfortunately, the Bible also says, and he did, what was evil. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says that, that this man was, was so off. It just, just, just went the opposite way. 
And the Bible says that at, at one point he sacrificed one of his sons, uh, put him on an altar and burned him up. Uh, this man, if you follow the history of the King Manasseh, you will find that he was disobedient to everything that God had required. Just everything. And it was laid out clearly. I mean, these kings were not clueless. They knew better, but they still went their own way. King Manasseh, he did everything that God had. Uh, he, did, he was disobedient uh, to everything that God had required. He did everything possible to mess up what God had set in motion. Everything possible. I mean, man, I mean, he was just like thumbing his nose at God because he wasn't going to do what God had commanded the kings to do. After 55 years of that reign, his son, Ammon, or Ammon, son of Manasseh, also the father of our, our, our hero today, Josiah, uh, he begins to reign at age 22. Ammon, uh, he, was, he was a king, young king, 22 years old, but he wasn't any better than his father. He wasn't any better than his father. And he did what was evil. And matter of fact, I mean, this guy was so far off that the people around him hated him. And when he was 24, they assassinated him. They assassinated They got rid of him at age 24, just to show you how bad it was. So you follow the history. Just read on, just to just give you a quick overview, because we're going someplace with this history. That, that, he, that as a result of his death, I mean, there was all kinds of bloodshed that went on. All kinds of people were getting killed. It was, it was innocent. It was a terrible time to be, be part of, of, the, of the history of, of the nation of Judah. It was in the midst of all this, this turmoil, innocent people being killed, bloodshed, that in the midst of all this turmoil and chaos, which I would call, I would call a political vacuum. Everything that was going on, there was, there was this vacuum that was being created, that Josiah, the Bible tells us, that Josiah, at the age of eight, becomes king. Age eight. Anybody here eight years old? Close to it? No? Okay. Okay, okay. We got, okay, okay. They're, all, they're all there. Okay, all right, okay. So, so at, at age eight, Josiah becomes the, he becomes the next king. Now, we're, I'm going to mention this a little bit later on, but I just want, I'll, for, for, at this point, I just want to say there's a lot to be said about the next generation that God brings, that brings to the forefront. And Josiah, although he was young, he represented a generation that God was bringing to, to the forefront. The Bible says about Josiah that he would reign for 31 years. So, had, had a pretty, pretty decent reign. It's interesting to note, though, that Josiah, for 18 years, so let's, let's do the math, okay? Do the math. Uh, he reigned for about 18 years. He was started off at 8, so let's, he was 26 years old. At this time, at the age of 26... Uh, uh, something, something happens in Josiah. We have no record of what was going on for the 18 years. It seemed like, you know, things were going good. And, you know, it was uh, kind of, uh, um, you know, kind of the hunky-dory thing. But something happens in the 18th year of his reign. And the Bible says that when in his 18th year of the reign, Josiah noticed some things. 
Josiah had noticed that the temple was in disrepair. He, he had noticed that the temple had been neglected. And so Josiah had given the command that the temple was to be cleaned up and that the temple was to be restored and that, that things were to, to get back on track where God had originally set them to be or intended them to be. So I make this observation. So, so if you do the math just on those two, basically what we've got, we've got basically we have Manasseh for 55, uh, uh, Ammon for maybe another, uh, maybe another couple of 22 years or so. So about 75 years, Judah has a government is being led by this corrupt. It's corrupt. Things are going the wrong way. There's political vacuum, there's spiritual vacuum, there's leadership vacuum. It's, it's going on in the wrong way, and Josiah steps in. And I make this observation, because I'm suggesting that there's a parallel going on. I'm suggesting that there's a parallel going on for even what's going on in our nation today. This is not intended to be a political sermon at all. I just really want to bring you to a place where I think God is bringing this church, awareness of it. An observation, when a nation drifts away from God, when a nation drifts away from God and does everything possible to remove him from their conscience, the nation suffers. That's putting it mildly. I don't know if you have noticed I don't know if you have come to the same conclusion as me, but Canada is no longer a Christian nation. Canada is not a Christian nation. Didn't say there's not Christians there. Didn't say that. Didn't say the church wasn't there either. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Our, our country. I'm kind of saying that, saying that for a point. And I just want you to be aware that, that although you, we could shake our heads and so forth and be, you know, say, wow, what a terrible day it was during Manasseh where there was a godless. It was a country that had gone and just rejected God. Did everything possible. Did everything possible to go against what God's will and plan for the nation. So, when a nation drifts away from God, a vacuum is created. A void is created. And I know if you're a science major or whatever, you know there's no such thing as a true vacuum, but you do understand that when there is a vacuum created, that there's something that's, there's something that's missing, and there's something about ready to move in. Something missing, something about ready to move in. When a nation drifts away from God, a vacuum is created, a void, a void is created, God's hand is lifted off that nation. Instead of blessing, there is curse. The next generation, the next generation is always victimized if they're allowed to be born. Instead of blessing, there is curse. 
There's a lot of innocent blood that is shed. So I observe this. When a spiritual vacuum is created, the human soul without God will try to fill it with everything imaginable. Wow. Wow. There's a lot that I've been saying this morning. I just really remind you, here's what my observation is that every time uh, that our nation and our constitution endeavors to, to enshrine rights of individuals, it's always amazing to me that in most cases it's the next generation that suffers. It's the next generation that is penalized. Just food for thought. So, so I observed that when a spiritual vacuum is created, the human soul without God will try to fill it with everything imaginable. So back to the account of Josiah. So at age 26... In his 18th year of his reign, he is doing, we observe, what is right in the sight of the Lord. Even if he doesn't understand the full ramifications, even if he really didn't understand fully what he had requested, he was doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He says, let's, let's get the temple back, Josiah was saying in his own words. Let's get it back to where it should be. Let's, let's, get, let's get back on track here. Here's, here's the thing. Up to this point, there was no indication that Josiah had had a God-defining moment. All we know is that there was a desire, and all we know that for some reason, out of God's mercy, that Josiah was not going the way of his grandfather and the way of his father. Note this, that it took a house-cleaning moment to discover something that had been lost and would be a life-changing moment. The book of the law, the Bible tells us that during this cleanup time and during this time of temple restoration, one of the priests, one of the attendants of the temple, they come across the book. They call it the book of the law. It had been neglected. It was that book that had all the instructions that King Manasseh should have paid attention to and his son. But it, would, it had been rolled up, it had been put in a corner, and it was collecting dust. It was, it was, one, of those, it was one of those moments that, that uh, it was shameful for the nation of Israel. It was at that moment that the book was read by one of the priests and they said, we need to bring this to the king. And so they bring it to King Josiah at 26 years old. And as the book is read in the presence of Josiah, Josiah is confronted with a sin. He is not only confronted with his sin, but he is confronted with the sin of the nation of Judah. The Bible says it was a moment, that it was a moment that, that just overwhelmed Josiah, it overwhelmed him with grief. It was one of those moments that, that if we were to use the vernacular, and it was, it was a moment where Josiah, he grabs a hold of his garments, as like said, oh my God, what has happened to our nation? Oh my God, how, how, how could we have drifted? And he tears his clothes. He tears his clothes. It was a sign, not just, just a, a token sign, but it was a sign of his heart that was grieving over his own sin and the nations of sin. And he realized that something had to be done because of the political vacuum, the spiritual vacuum, the leadership vacuum that had been created for the last 75 years.
The Bible says that he took radical action, which brought revival. His action, it wasn't just something for repentance, but it was something more that took place. The Bible says that he took radical action, which brought revival and renewal to the nation. I'm going to read 2 Kings chapter 23. So if you do have your Bibles, you can follow along there. 2 Kings Kings chapter 23 says this. The The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord. And it was at this point, Josiah, not understanding everything, he said, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, God. And he knows that the first thing he's going to do, that he's going to obey the commands in the, in, in, in the book. And so he says, in the presence of the people, and the presence of the Lord, I'm going to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statues, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Over in verse, verses 24 and 25, furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and the spiritists, the household gods. I mean, the thing was a mess. The idols and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem, this he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned the Lord as he did with all of his heart and with all his soul and with all of his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. Note this, that when God allows a nationwide vacuum, and I believe we're experiencing one, whether it be spiritual, moral, or leadership, I believe that's throughout North America, I believe it is the intent of the Father to fill it with his church. To fill it with his church. To fill it with his holy presence. Now you should have been shouting right then. You should have been clapping your hands at that present moment. To fill his presence. I observe this. Just because these vacuums exist, it is not automatic that the church will step in and fill the gap. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But it does require someone who wants to do the right thing. It does require somebody to step to the plate. I believe, I believe that it requires a pastor. I believe that it requires a church, a region of the country that simply want to do the right thing. They want to please God. They want to be obedient to him. I asked you this morning, I asked you this morning, get ready, listen closely. I asked you this morning, do you know of any who might be willing to do the right thing? Do you know of any who are willing to do the right thing? Do you know what I believe? I believe that the day of Pentecost was the beginning and not the ending of the Holy Spirit's outpouring. I believe it was just the beginning. It's not the ending. I also believe today, I don't believe that on the day of Pentecost that that was just for that century, but I believe it's for all those to come. I don't believe that Azusa Street in 1906, where God pulled out his spirit in Los Angeles and, and the Hebden Vision mission in 1907, I'm getting excited and get my words all twisted here. And 1907 was the, I don't believe that that was the best shot that the Holy Spirit had for North America. I don't believe that at all. And I don't believe the Jesus movement, the charismatic movement, third wave, and whatever other moves there may be out there were and are God's best for our world. I believe they were good. I believe that there were shadows. I believe that there were indicators. I don't deny what happened. I don't deny the greatness, but I want you to know that it wasn't the end. 
It wasn't God's best. There's something else that God has in store. And I believe according to Joel and to Peter, there is an unprecedented move of God's Holy Spirit coming to our world that will cause all others to pale by comparison. Amen. 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 And Acts chapter 2, how am I doing on time? Okay, we're doing good. All right, I promise I will not keep you long today. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders uh, in the heavens above. This is where? This is where the outpouring, and Joel says there is an outpouring in the last days. This one is unprecedented. This one is yet to come. And, and, and the prophecy goes on to say in verse 19, I will show wonders in the heaven above and the signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. I wonder, I wonder if the forest fires in California and our nation, I wonder, I wonder if it's just an indication of what Joel was talking about, what Peter was mentioning when he said, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, I love this part here, talking about this last outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls, Jesus, I need you in my life to get saved. They're meeting in the coffee shop. Somebody come along. Man, I know I got sent in my I need Jesus. And they ask Jesus to come in there. And they get saved. They get saved over in the school rooms, in the workplaces. Oh, what is the takeaway this morning? What is the takeaway from what I'm saying? This morning, what I'm saying is that what does God want us to hear as a church? God wants us to hear that as a church that we're living in the last days. What does God want me to do? He wants all of us to seek him first and get to know his body, the body of Christ. What does God want me to experience? He wants us to experience revival. That's exactly what he wants us to experience today. He wants us to experience renewal. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm having the opportunity uh, in God because of, because of your encouragement and the way that you've prayed for me throughout the years and for the way that you've poured in my life, you've given me a, 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 uh, an opportunity, I believe it's the calling of God, to be uh, a, a, like a city pastor, like a city pastor. And, uh, I, and, and as a result, God is starting to open up doors for me to talk to other city pastors. And, and, and I'm starting to talk with men of God that I've never met before, or at least I don't know from a close, from a close connection. But, but as a result of I'm meeting men and women of God, that they are doing things in their cities, in our nations, and I just believe that God is up to something. I just believe that God is getting ready to connect his church like no other day.
I just believe that there's something that God wants to do in the city of Stratford, and I believe that God is paving the way, and we're starting to see little glimpses and glimmers of it, how God is using this church, how God is, is using a churches like ours to, to be city churches, and, and, and how it's, it's using churches like ours to be a, like a, 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 a facilitation spot so that his Holy Spirit can descend upon us and move move through us. And Pastor uh, Chad, our lead pastor, for, for a number of uh, sermons back in the uh, earlier on in this year, talked about that river of God flowing from the throne of God and talking about how that throne, that river is to flow. It was to flow in our church, but not only in our church, but to flow out the doors and, and through the city streets and throughout the other churches. And, and so God is, is definitely doing something in our other nations. And I just, I just, I just sense this. I just sense that that in the other the other cities that there are there are churches that, that God is moving churches that you and I may not even be aware of and, and we may not even be aware of their pastors but that God it's just like God is getting all this kindling wood ready and it's just that it's it's over here and it's over there and it's and it's just it's just ripe it's just ripe for a spark from heaven it's just ripe for a spark from heaven that that somebody somebody will say, oh my God, oh my God, it's time for us to step to the plate. There are things, there are things that are, that, that are, that are happening in our nation, and there are things that our government is trying to impose upon the church, and, and it's coming to the place where you and I can sit back and do absolutely nothing. You and I can stand, sit back and, and idly watch things go by, or we can say, oh my God, it's time for us, the church, to step to the plate. It's time for some generation, and when we talk about the next generation, we're talking about teenagers, of course we are, but we're not only talking about teenagers. We're talking about young and old alike. We're talking about the generation that is represented here this morning. And we believe that God wants to use this generation. We believe that he wants to use this generation to usher in the last outpouring of his Holy Spirit that will bring a move of God from, from shore to shore to shore. I believe all it would take, this is, this is my humble opinion, but I believe all that it would take for God to set North America on fire would be for him to sovereignly move just in the eastern seaboard. I just believe, I just believe that if God would choose this morning, if he would choose just to move by his spirit in all the churches in our time zone, going all the way from northern Canada right down to Fort Myers, Florida, down to the southern tip, I just believe that if God would just sovereignly move on the churches in that time zone, set them on fire, that would be enough. That would be enough to set North America, set North America, if not our world, on fire for him. That's what I believe this morning. I believe that God is doing things throughout our land. I believe that God right now in the city of London is raising up his church, and it's alive and well. I believe that God is raising up his church in Stratford, as alive and well. I believe that God is raising up his church 
and the KW area, there are pastors, there are, there are men and women in that area that are hungry for God, as it is in London, as it is in Stratford. There are churches in Toronto that I don't even know about, you don't even know about, but there are men and women that are hungry for God. They're just ripe, and they're ready, and they're saying, God, it's our time. It's our time to step to the plate. It's our time to step to the thing. And we're saying, no longer, no longer are we going to let this nation be ruled by other people, but this nation belongs to you, God. This is our nation. This is a nation that we know that God has given to us, and it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to step to, step to the plate this morning. There are churches in Stratford. I said KW. I said Toronto. I said Stratford. Did I say Stratford before? Did I say Stratford? I did say Stratford before. Amen. And Buffalo, Buffalo, New York, New, New York City's Times Square. Just think about this. I'm going to list some people here. In New York City, uh, Times Square, there is a, there's a man by the name of uh, uh, Carter Conlon, and just a pastor right there, an incredible guy. What about Mark Batterson down in Washington, D.C.? We have Stephen Furtick in the Eastern Time Zone. We have Chad McLaren in the Eastern Time Zone. We have Andy Stanley. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Did I say we have Stratford in this same time zone? Yes, I did. Uh, we have Pastor uh, Randy from Beeside. You don't even know who he is. We have Scott Young down in Sarasota, Florida. We have a South African pastor down in a church called Oceans Unite. We have Dan Betzer way down. We have churches and pastors that we've never heard of before, but they're all hungry. They're all hungry. They're, they're, they're ready. They're ready. And they says, now is the time. Now is the time. And I believe, I believe that in the vacuum that's been created, that in our nation right now, that it's time that God is saying, Holy Spirit, move. Move in my church. Go in and fill in that vacuum. Fill in that vacuum. You know, I just said those churches. I said the churches in the eastern seaboard. I didn't mention names like John Hagee. I didn't mention names like Joel Osteen. I didn't mention names like T.D. Jakes. Just think of it. Just think about it. You guys know, like I know, these people are on fire for God. I didn't mention names like Darren Latham. I didn't mention Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton. I didn't mention Rick Warden. I didn't mention Judah Smith. These are names that are out there that I believe that God has his church. He has his church position. I believe that God has his people ready to go. I believe that we are living and we are on the brink. We are on the brink of a mighty outpouring. I do agree with our pastor, Chad, that we are headed into the most exciting year that you and I have ever experienced. Amen? Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. That it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.